All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut To It. Cut To It. Let's get down to it. Cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. You ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. Cause you know it's all. It's all. It's my pleasure. To welcome to the Cut To It podcast, one of the greatest corners in NFL history. Uh, the top corner of his era. A guy that uh, made a lot of receivers like myself uh, study a lot of film. From the University of Georgia. He goes, he's the only guy I know that actually goes by his nickname throughout his life that people know him. And you say champ and people go, Bailey? Right. Welcome to the Cut to a Podcast, uh, friend and also a uh, guy that I, I study a lot of film on going against, uh, Champ Bailey. Appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. I like to start off, we're we just going to get to some, um, just some icebreakers, man, let you, let you settle down so you'll know what kind of uh, really what, what this is today. Today is all about you. Yep. Um, it's not about what uh, people think of you. Any of whatever they may think or assume, it's just we're just gonna cut right to it and just talk about who you are, uh, Champ Bailey in the jersey. You know where you're from and all that stuff. But man, uh, what's, what's some of your favorite vacation spots? I know you like to be light skinned so go ahead and tell us some of your fa- favorite vacation spots. You know, well, thanks for having me, bro. I mean, you know how I feel about you, but yeah. we'll get to that. I think let me let me let's just say I hate leaving the country. So when we talk, you so you so you are so southern. Continue. You are, you, you are exactly right. You know, I already know why. I already know why. You know, your wife got you leaving the country. That's what. That's the problem. You know, I'm a little old fashioned to the point when I I'm kind of I get stuck in my ways. You know, I like things to be a little routine. You know, I like like to know what to expect. So when I leave the country, one thing that's a staple in my you know my life is food. And if I don't know what type of food I'm gonna don't, eat, don't don't hold. Wait, it wait, changes my whole even, mindset. Don't even, don't even go there, bro. You already know, like, I that that's that's this this conversation is always going is 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 going veer right right now because yeah, yeah. so you're telling me basically you're a horrible person to travel with because all you're gonna do is complain about the food. I tell you what, it has a big part 
of why uh, big role. Th- that was a roundabout way of saying yes. So, yeah. Yes, somewhat. You know. I, okay. I'm all right. Not, so not let's gonna, all right. Let's 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 change it then. Let's I'm, let's put it like this. I'm open minded to food, but I, I love good food. Cat. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, tell me some of your favorite restaurants then. Favorite restaurants? Uh, ooh, yeah. breakfast. You know, breakfast is a big part of my meal. I, I love this restaurant called Snooze that uh, okay. finally moved to Atlanta. I think they started in Denver. And, okay. you know, it's a big, and I love a good steak. So, steakhouse, okay. you know, I ain't get like nobody. What? I, like Cracker Barrel? What's, what's some Cracker of your favorite steakhouse? Well, Texas Roadhouse? Like I like Cracker Barrel, but it's not. That's, see, I, that, was, that, was, that was a softball pitch that you should have let go. But yeah. you want to try to hit, knock it out of the park, huh? Yeah. Look, so you like IHOP too, don't you? No. No. Matter, well, matter of fact, so you're a Denny's I'm, guy. I'm sitting in an IHOP parking lot right now, and I would yeah. not go in, <laughs> and I would not go in there and eat their food. I, I just yeah, you were you you over there talking about? Ooh, let me get uh, let me get those unlimited buttermilk pancakes. I'm about to, I'm about to cancel our sponsorship <laughs> at IHOP. <laughs> uh, the reason I say that is, um, man, I've I've traveled. You know, I've traveled with a lot of a lot of my folks, my my some of my homeboys. You know, obviously with my fam, and one of my boys, I'm not gonna. One of my homeboys, I'm not gonna name drop him, but we went to London, and this dude complained the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he complained, and you know what he ended up eating? What? McDonald's. Of course. Pizza Hut. No. See, I'm not that guy. I. Okay, thank you. I, I'm not I that guy. I, my thing is, you can find good food. You just got to yes. pay for it. You know, it's yeah, just. I, I see. Not, I agree. Yeah, you, you're not going to run up on, you know, a local restaurant that you're used to like you do back home. But Name some of those local restaurants back home that, that make you not want to leave the country. Well, there's a lot of variety. So there's this Greek spot called Zeus. Uh, mm, Greek okay. food. What you uh, order in the Zeus? What, what, what kind of uh, barbecue spot in in Buckhead? I live in Atlanta, by the way. So, uh, Fat Mats. Jeez, uh, mm. Varsity. You go to Varsity? No, no. Okay, good. I I just want to make sure. I'm check. I'm checking. I'm in a file cabinet checking my reference. Make just make sure because you can't be a you can't be a judger of food and then find out. You'll go to as checkers or rallies no, or you know no. some of that stuff. It's funny you bring up varsity. Oh. I went to UGA and we had a varsity basically on campus. I might have said. Oh, I know. I I was just in Atlanta. My son was playing basketball, so I was just in Atlanta. So that's why when you said that, it, th- see, this is right up, this is right up my alley. So that's I just been I've been sitting on, uh, uh, uh what's that two eighty five four eighty five. I've been sitting on all those highways. Mm-hmm. In Atlanta, running up my toll, uh, quick pass, running up my quick pass. It was a $40 toll uh, weekend. We were playing basketball. My son was playing basketball. So uh, I'm very much, I know a little bit about Atlanta, fresh in my mind of all the, uh, air quotes, great restaurants out there. Yeah. 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 The thing is, you better know somebody who knows some spots, right? Like, oh yeah, because like we walked else. in a few places. We walked in a few places, and we walked straight on out. It's like, uh, nope. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Can Can you give me a? Because I was over there by uh, I was over there by Lake Point. 
the Lake Point facility. Oh, so you're way up north. That's that's like Bro, I didn't get to pick the location. I'm sorry. Well, here's the thing. That's that's up north. That's more of a uh it's kind of touristy because they have a lot of events, sporting events up there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, you know, it's funny, I was up there not long ago and I realized this is not the suburbs of Atlanta. Like this is mm-hmm. this is the country. That so you yeah. were in Georgia, you weren't in Atlanta. <laughs> It's a difference. <laughs> it's a huge difference. <laughs> well, I stay I stayed in Midtown, so I had to drive back and forth. Oh wow. So, who did who yeah. did that to you? That's a um, long drive. <laughs> we use our Marriott points, brother. Oh, of course. I mean, of course. Listen, I never stay in an area where there's a a red roof in. If there's a red roof in in that proximity, <laughs> standards. No, nope, I ain't doing standards. it. Standard. I just, I, you, I ain't, I don't have no standards, and I'm still not standing in a red roof end. <laughs> I'm just not doing it. I hear you, bro. I hear you. Knowing you from Georgia, so let's just get into it. Where are you from? In a place you call your hometown? Uh, Folkestone, Georgia, South Georgia, mm-hmm. small Folkestone. Town. Yeah, yeah. I'm how many how many stoplights and street and, and, and street uh, stop four, signs four, and street lights? Four to five stoplights. We we might have gotten another one since I left. Um, <laughs> but very small. I mean, less than five thousand people. Uh, wow. Yeah. So. Oh, so there's a Ch- there's a Chan Bailey Road then. Well, up until I think two years ago, they did name a street after me. They named a football stadium after me. So. Things have happened in the last few years. You said, "Oh, up to two years ago." All right, so I, I, about, yeah, yeah. I thought they gave you the. I thought they gave it to no, you, no, and then no, gave no, it to no. someone else. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it took me getting into the Hall of Fame for all those things to materialize. Okay, all right. And so, what growing up, growing up out there, what what did you experience growing up as 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 young champ? Oh man, you know, one thing about where we were from is you realize you don't have a lot of opportunities to get get out. And when I say get out, it's not like we're running from, you know, bad people or things like that. It's a it's a culture in my hometown that's just not sustainable for a young black man. For example, mm-hmm. you know, where I grew up, I mean, my dad could point out restaurants and things that he couldn't go into when he was a kid, right? You know, Jim Crow was real. And you see the results of that. And, you know, I could go on about a lot of different avenues that my boys went down, you know, compared to mine, because the traps were there. You know, you get in trouble, you get in the system, that's what you're known for. So nobody has hope for you. And when you know, if you don't have people pumping you up and telling you that you Mm -hmm. can do things and you don't see a lot of great examples, that trap is set. You know, it's easy for a guy to go off to college and come right back home because family makes it easy. The, the, the town makes it easy. Oh, come back and work at the mill with your dad and your uncle. And, but those are dead end jobs because there's no growth there. You're just a worker. Mm-hmm. So yeah. with that limited mentality, it's easy to get trapped there and, and, and really not go anywhere. You know, you end up there. I can go back home and see people that are doing the same things they did when I was in high school, you know? So, you know, I never wanted that. You know, it just took a few good examples to kind of 
get me on the right track and see that I had the possibility of getting out and staying out and then being able to turn around and bring some value back home. That's, that's what it was like growing up, man. It was tough, but you know, we had each other, we leaned on each other, my brothers, you know, some of my boys that actually went on to do some good things, but for the most part, man, I can name a lot of guys that are in and out of the system that I grew up with. I mean, did a lot of dirt with and yeah, they still my boys, but boy, they went down the wrong path. I remember watching your um, your Hall of Fame speech, uh, which I thought was remarkable. And you, uh, thus far, you know, before COVID, before a lot of the racial tension, a lot of the conversations, you and Ladanian are the, actually, I, I believe, the only two modern guys that I I saw that implement. I think uh, um, Strahan as well a little bit. Um, but you guys really addressed uh, being black men, yeah, and mm-hmm. and and what it impacted and what you saw um, being young men because you guys grew up in the South, uh, in the heat of the South, where you know, like you said, Jim Crow and all of those things. What was that process like for you, and how did you come to that resolution that that the most important moment in your life, your your football c- career, I'm sorry, in your football career, that you took that time to address something that a lot of people don't necessarily believe exist. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and you say that mouthful there, a lot of people don't even know it's real, you know. And I think, you know, one, one of the things when we get a platform, I think we all kind of have an idea of what people should do with their platform, right? But I think it's very mm-hmm. unfair to expect a young man, like, say, if I'm playing, if I'm in my 20s, I, I don't expect any of these young guys to say a whole lot. Right. Why is it their responsibility? But now I'm a grown man looking back, being able to reflect. Now I have this stage and this platform to really speak on it without real repercussions. Like, that's what you mm-hmm. worry about by not speaking. It's like, dang, what people going to do to me now? I jeopardize yeah. my career. It's unfortunate, but that's the world we live in. So now I'm mm. looking back like, okay, well, I got to say something. Like, this is something that I really care about. Something that I experienced, right? So mm. I wanted to be as real and candid as possible, but get people to understand, like, it doesn't matter what you think. This is my experience. This is what I mm. see. This is what I deal with. And I know a lot of people just like me. So I just want people to listen, you know, just pay attention, have some compassion, and some sympathy for what people go through, regardless of where they grow up. When you are a black man in this country, there's a certain it's different. There's a certain way you got to walk around, right? <laughs> there's a certain yeah. way you got to carry yourself, you know. And we don't have a lot of room for error. And I saw that in real time growing up. Still see it to this day. And I just thought it was important to air those feelings and you know and and let people hear what I thought. What are some of the things that you experienced off the field that really shaped you? You come across, you know, a lot of people don't know you, but you're not as quiet as you present yourself. <laughs> you, 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 you're well-rounded. You're, you're, you know, you're intelligent. You're smart, but you also quietly, you know, you, you talk. 
Yeah. You, you, you chit chat. You you go at guys. How were you able to keep that clean cut image? Honestly, don't know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we we've hung out together. We've been around each other, so you you know you know who I am. I mean, you know what I'm about. I do. But it's like, you know, I think I always wanted to just be a professional, right? You know, my idols were Dal Green, Deion Sanders, Michael Strahan, Bruce Smith. One thing about these guys, you get them in a room, one on one talk, man, talk about anything mm-hmm. and everything. You yeah. learn things you didn't yeah. know. And I mm-hmm. and I carried myself that same way because when I'm in a professional setting, I'm gonna be a pro. Like in the, in the locker room, I'm a, I'm gonna be a pro. I'm gonna be a best teammate I could be. That's just how it is in my job setting. And when I'm around other professionals, that's just the way I carry myself. But yeah, I could let I could let loose, lay that. Uh, just I guess the whole saying, let your head down a little bit. You know, oh, I yeah. definitely do that. But you know, I, I still know. Where my bread is butter. And it's the way I carry myself, present myself, and more opportunities come to me now because of that. So yeah. I feel like that investment in my personality and the way I carry myself is really paying off. How exhausting was that though? It, it, it wasn't. You know, it was okay. just it was who it was really who I was because it was I did it unconsciously in high school. I mean, you can ask any of my coaches. I mean, sometimes I thought I was a bad kid, but then I could, I look over to the left and to the right and like, oh, shit, I'm not doing what these guys are doing. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually showing up to work every day, no matter what we did the night before, ready to go, you know? So I was always accountable. So I think that's where I hang my hat. I just want to be accountable and available. And that that's really, really what I live by. I mean, even in business today, I just want to be accountable, available, and just a man of my word. And that's, that's mm-hmm. and it just came natural. And then over time, as I got older, I just learned like there's a certain way you carry yourself. I'm a listener first before I open my mouth because I, I just know I don't know everything. I love Cut To It. And I, I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media too, Smitty. Where where at? That's at Cut To It on Instagram. What about Twitter? At Cut To It. Facebook? Cut To It featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at CutToItPodcast.com where you can buy merch and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I got all my answers. Question, uh, I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother. CutToItPodcast.com. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field. From free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. 
The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. So you you were with the... We call them the Washington Commanders now. Yeah, yeah. Let's get it right. Right. (laughs) You know they're correctors if we don't. (laughs) They correct us as if they've been the Commanders the whole time. (laughs) And and they just washed their mouth out last year. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) But then you go to Denver. You had been with Daryl Green. You've been with Dion. You had been in a nation's capital. And, you know, you stayed in the South, but then you moved, you know, close to the South, but then you moved yeah. to Denver. Tell us that, tra- to explain that transition between a little bit of comfort, because, you, you know, live growing up in, growing up in Georgia, you know, you live, if you live in Florida, you're pretty, if you live in Florida or Georgia South, North Carolina, Texas, I mean, uh, Tennessee, Alabama, you, you kind of stay in those areas, right? You, yeah. you, you, you drive up. I mean, living in North Carolina now 20-some years, I've been Atlanta, Georgia, Tennessee, Jacksonville. Yeah. Somehow, some way, I'm staying over there. Yeah. But then you go to Denver, that had to be a little bit of an adjustment. Absolutely. And, you know, you got to think I'm 25 at the time. Maybe, yeah. 25 at the time, never really left the East coast. So the first, my first impression of Denver, when that thought of going there came about was damn, it snows. It just, mm-hmm. that's the first thing that came to my mind. And, and you know, <laughs> but then I started thinking about the team and I know I could play anywhere in any weather. So I wasn't, I didn't really like, like, settle on that too much i started thinking about the team i'm like damn but they're always in the playoffs yada yada mm. and then they started talking about you know well they might trade you for clinton portis and i'm like damn i like clinton portis can we keep him and trade somebody else you know that's that's my thoughts in my mind you know because i'm young and i'm hungry and i'm trying to get paid see i never really wanted to leave washington to be honest i understood at that point in my career the the impact of that market you know, being in the NFC East, I mean, you got all the big market teams, Philly, New York, mm-hmm. uh, Dallas, 
all the all the teams that are in the top ten as far as value and and fans. I mean, there is no fan base at the time that was more loyal than the Washington fan base. Even to this day, I get people come up to me, more Washington fans than Denver fans come up to me and talk about that trade because they just they just had more history there. I mean, when I got yeah. to Denver, they finally got their first Hall of Famer. Shit, Washington had several <laughs> by the time I got. So, so the organizations were in different places, but one thing that was different is the owner in Denver was like night and day from the owner in Washington. Dan Snyder didn't draft me. And to get used to the fact that somebody didn't want me in my prime, I, I didn't understand it. Right. I had been to four straight Pro Bowls. I'm 25. I'm young. I'm hitting my prime. And this dude didn't want to pay me. <laughs> this dude didn't want to pay me. I'm like, okay, well, there's nobody outside of Daryl Green been more successful at the cornerback position in this franchise. On a consistent level. You had you had guys coming in and out, but you didn't have anyone like it was Daryl Green that had been there uh, yeah. since uh, the dawn of time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and, and then there was obviously Dion. He was older. He had, you yeah. know, he had retired and came back. And then there was you. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it it didn't I never got used to the fact that somebody didn't want me at that time. I mean, I'm like, mm. you're not going to find somebody else like me. And they tried, you know, but I, yeah. I, I knew that I was a different type of player and I knew I should have been wanted. I asked for a certain amount of money. They laughed at it, turned around and asked Mike Shanahan for it in Denver. And he smiled and said, no problem. And I'm like, that's all I needed. <laughs> Somebody that wants me, he's going to let me do what I do. I mean, there was no better transition for me in my career than going to Denver. Best thing that ever happened. Think about this. You just said that you were in your prime and one team did and one team didn't. You, you've yeah. done some analyst work. You've been around the game for a long time. Yeah. One of the things that is always remarkable about the NFL is – how statistically you can be in one category. However, you ask five different coaches on five different teams, and they all have five different opinions, and most of them are negative <laughs> when evaluating when evaluating product. Like, you're a product. Let's yeah. be honest, you're a product. Yeah. And... Chet Bailey is in his prime playing well. Not not really, not like you doing a height, <laughs> right? Yeah. And there's only a few teams that valued you for what you were. Yeah. And the team that had you, that was reaping the benefits from it, didn't think you were worth it. Yeah, which is baffling, you know. And and my thing is, regardless if I'm worth it or not, or you think that it's it's, I understand sometimes you got needs, you got you got certain mm -hmm. holes you got to fill, right? Like there's there's always going to be that factor, but to me, they had two years to get a deal done with me, right? Like they had two years. They saw me up close, personal, how I work, and to be you know, putting that on full display and auditioning for them every day the way I did. And for them to come to conclusion, ah, oh, we don't want that guy. 
I think it hurts a little different. Now, you can go ask somebody in the Green Bay Packers who hadn't seen a lot of me on a daily basis, and they could say, no, nah, we don't want that guy for whatever right. reason. I, I can live with that. They see you come to work. You you Absolutely. You do what you're supposed to do. You do it the right way. Yeah. And, and, and let's be honest, you on and the corner on the other side of you is, you know, maybe not doing you're doing a lot of talking, but, but maybe not showing up the right way. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, but just a totally we'll get different into that player. a little bit. We're gonna yeah, get into yeah. that a little bit later too. Totally different uh, player. Right? Yeah. Totally different. Which is fine. But you know, yeah. I was what I was. I showed you what I showed you, and you still it still wasn't enough. So it so it that their opinion affected me more than anybody else's opinion. How did it affect you? Well, it, it made me second at guess. the at the time, at the time. Well, at the time, you got to think I'm young, you know, I'm hungry. I'm just trying to get to that next contract. Right. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. what am I doing wrong that they won't pay me? But my agent would always check me. Right. He's like, look, you're not one of their guys. Like they didn't draft you. You know, Dan Snyder bought the team the summer I got drafted. Charlie Cassidy drafted me. So it wasn't there was never any real connection. Right. So the next year. They draft LeVar Arrington and Chris Samuels, two and three. Shit, LeVar Arrington re-up before I even got to my last year. <laughs> like, so it, the writing was on the wall. It was just hard to believe, you know, because I'm like, yeah. damn, you know, I, I've had some real success here, you know. And A little bit. <laughs> like, what, what's really going on? Like, yeah. you know, nobody could really explain it. You know, we were just in a different time. You still got pretty much a young owner trying to figure out what the hell he's doing. And, you know, it, it was what it was, man. Man, I, I, I've never told you this, and I've been, I've been holding this. So, you know, obviously I went to the University of Utah, and Georgia had played Utah State. Okay. And we, obviously, we didn't play Georgia, but we had to play Utah State. So, I, you know, I was a junior college transfer, so I transfer, and at the time – Social media is not social media. You know, we, internet is not even an internet. Yeah. So the West Coast, if you didn't play on the West Coast, you really didn't know about East Coast players, right? We watching film. I'm, I'm in the University of Utah. We watching film, and we watching Utah State. And so, you know, watching their defense, and you play a little bit of offense, but then I, I, I think I used to call it pass or something. And I'm like, man, I got to watch this dude because they say he's playing both ways. <laughs> so I go and watch a defensive film. Now, I'm not going to say I was scared, but I would say I had to take a few tomes. How about that? He's <laughs> <laughs> bro. Nervous? I, I don't see it. <laughs> super duper. <laughs> bro, I've been knowing about you ever since – Georgia ran through Utah State. Mm -hmm. And you, I don't even know which receiver it was, but you was out there locking him down. Like it was like ordering a bag of fries through the drive-thru. It was so casual. And so we got we get to play the Washington Commanders. Stephen Davis is the running yep. back. You know, he came to Carolina. Yeah. 
and I'm go- I have to go against Champ Bailey. Now, this is how old and dated it was. I had VHS. Was it VHS? I think it was VHS or beta on you, right? And I had one tape on you because that's what they gave us. Hey, study this film. They said, they t- study this film. So I studied that film. And when we played against you guys in 2003, you were the first player in my young career. I was in my third year, but my second year starting, that I was followed everywhere. Yeah. I can tell you right now, I studied the film. They should have gave me an instruction manual on how to study because what I studied was not what I played against. What did you expect? I did not expect. I played at Utah. I never expected a guy to follow me everywhere and be so close up on me (laughs) that I could see if he had a fresh shave, right? I could see if he was wearing contacts. And, bro, I just remember you pressed up against me in the first play. I gave you a little. I gave you a little quick move and caught a little in route, and I got up, spin the ball. And you were like, "Okay, good job, good job." And I was like, "I'm about to get this ninja." Shoot, I don't know what they talk about with him, but they say Utah State. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, that was that was the good old days because you gotta think like they they really let me do what I wanted to do. Like, yes, they did. Yes, they did. So so after that. The next play, I don't know if you remember, I gave the same move. And you jammed me so hard <laughs> that it made my, not one, both of my shoulder pad straps come off. I was not prepared. I was not prepared at all. Yeah. Now, we're going we're gonna to stop because part of that, is also why when a couple of years later, 27, when he was with Minnesota, got what he got. Yeah. Because when we played the Commanders, I only remember going against you. Mm-hmm. 24 and 89 was only two people that were allowed to be in that area code. Musin had that guy. Yeah. He was not allowed to cover me. If I came on his side, you t- hey hey, he's over there. He you you told him to go on, move. And I never experienced that. They even lined me up, I think, like tight end or or, yeah. or running back. And he lined up a damn linebacker. I'm getting right. I now. said, what? Hey, look, that's real. I was unprepared for linebacker. I was like, okay, they're gonna get me free. He lined up at linebacker. I said, and I know I shouldn't cuss, but I said, oh shit. <laughs> you know. I'm going to tell you, I used to look forward to when a receiver would move in the backfield or line up close, because then I know you're not really going deep. So, so it's like, okay, I, I got, I got a lot of, I got a lot more help in this little box because you can't just. Man, I thought that was, I thought that was my saving grace. Nah. Not, not, no life preserver, nothing. I was just in the water. F- falling, yeah. So, right? so you got to think like my mindset about you was, oh, this guy's a great returner. He's tough. He's a dog. I can't let him get going. Like, that was my thing. I can't let you just get comfortable getting open, you know, having free releases. Like, once you get going, I've seen it. 
I've seen how you dog people. I'm like, no, I cannot let him get going. Because once he does that, it, it, it's over. It's over. You taught me. I was in that game. You know, I was figuring out releases as we were going. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, 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 had never, I had never been in that position in my life. Mm -hmm. I had never had to go against a guy. And I used, and I used to say, it, if I was driving a car, I pull up to the parking attendant and your ass be right there giving me my ticket. <laughs> I walk up to the valet, chef's like, your key, Steve, <laughs> right? I had never experienced that until that moment because we were still early. It was like third or fourth game. Yeah, early so in the season. I, I, was never, I was never ready for that. I saw Shadow as, oh, you know, you'll get a guy, he'll be there. But you were right there. You didn't want space off. You wanted it to be right there. And I was so frustrated because I never experienced that before, right. especially as a young man, right? Especially I went to University of Utah. We playing non-athletic zone team. So I understood zone. I knew how to play in zone. I came out of college very well versed with the knowledge of how to run routes versus zone. I was not used to that type of coverage. And I was so frustrated and discouraged. But I have a save, I had a saving grace, a, a, a receiver named Ricky Pro. Mm -hmm. And Ricky kept coming over and telling me, said, I know you're frustrated. This is the this is the part of being the number one, the number guy. one guy. That's right. <laughs> you have to figure it out. Argue, Don't let him frustrate you. Keep going. Take everything he was doing as data, right? Mm -hmm. So we go fast forward. I think I had like three passes. Um, they quit going to me because it was just uh, you can go ahead and just remove me from the playbook. Basically, <laughs> that's what you did. <laughs> but then we go in that end zone. We go. We're going in there. We're trying to drive, and I'm in a slot, and. When I make that catch, the only reason I was able to make that catch is because you drugged me through the mud for three and a half quarters. <laughs> it, was a it, was a, it was a clutch catch, though. Clutch. But you understand. Yeah. It mm -hmm. was, that was the only move I had left that actually meant anything because after, everything after that, man, everything got through. And so when I went up, I don't even know if you remember, I went up, so I gave a little release. It was a, it's called Hunt Street Circle, and I was the streak. Mm -hmm. And so they were running, they were running cover two, but champ was man coverage. Because 47, what was uh, 47? Uh the 41? Caucasian safety. 41. It was the Caucasian safety. Yeah, yeah. Game. I think it was Matt Bowen. I think it was. Yeah, Matt Bowen. Yeah. Right. And so I run, I give it a little release, but instead of dancing like I kept doing, I gave him a little two-step and took off, right? And they and Jake throws it up, and I jump up and grunt because I know everybody in their mama is gonna try to knock this snot out of me. Yes, sir. And so I go up, champ so smart, he jumps, but he doesn't jump all the way because he knew we both can jump. So he jumped a little bit and waited till I came when I was coming down to <laughs> jump up. So he could put those little skinny fingers through through me, but I already had figured it out, so I cuffed it. 
mm-hmm. and Bowen hit me so hard he hit you. Yeah, he knocked both us out. Yes, and then Stephen Davis. Some people say it wasn't a touchdown. It was a touchdown. Don't matter. It was a touchdown. And what's interesting is I played against a lot of good corners. I played a lot of against a lot of great corners. But there are some guys like you. You helped me because you were one of the best corners that I ever played against. And, man, you did so much for my career that you didn't even know it. You you made me play chess for the very first time in playing football. Right. Because most of the other corners, it was checkers. Yeah. Yeah. It was a race to get king and then just kill a board. Yeah. But I had to be strategic, man. And I'll, and so I've never really thanked uh, uh, anybody for an ass whooping, but I appreciate it because you taught me so much. And I've always had that respect for you. And then we fast forward against um, – we played you guys, uh, the Carolina Panthers, against against you with the, um, with the Denver Broncos. Yep. And you were hurt. Mm-hmm. And I had like five – like – in that offseason when I knew we were playing you, I told I want I want all his plays. I had all every play you played the year before. So it was up to beta. Yep. DVDs, laser. I had all of your tapes and I just watched it and watched the film. Then yeah, I think you had a labrum or something. Yeah, I, I can't remember what I was out for, but I it was a night game, right? Yeah, it was a night game. I just remember sitting over there watching you just run through. I was so hyped to play and he wasn't playing. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Dre Bly going to admit I drugged Dre Bly. Oh, Dre will be the first dude. to tell you. <laughs> that, that's one dude don't care. He, he, he don't, he's not ashamed of anything. He'll tell oh, Steve Smith stiff on the hell out of me. I mean, <laughs> he was like, man, he hit me in the chest and it, you, you could just hear it go, poof. And, like, and I'm like, yep, that's Steve. <laughs> but, dog, you ran through us. And Mushan, he, he ragdolled the corner that was <laughs> – Yo, he had that boy over by the by the water uh, jugs on a running play. Yes. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, boy, you better get back out because I'm mad because I can't play. You know, Mushin was strong as hell. Like, yo, yes, he, he was on a running play. He gonna ragdoll you, and we had the smallest corner in the league. I, I won't say his name, listen, but we're not gonna say his name. But listen, we. <laughs> I was so hyped to go against Champ. I wasn't hyped to go against him because I got something. I just knew I had to be on my P's and Q's. I yeah. still had post-traumatic stress from the last time I played. <laughs> right? Hey, look, so that's man. what I experienced. So then we fast forward to 20, uh, 2005. And, you know, we had traded for Rod Gardner. And Rod comes to Carolina and him and Fred Smooter, they used to be boys. And so, yeah. Rod starts. Rod starts talking to Smoot. Oh man! And I say something. I said something to Rod. Draft mates. They were drafted together, so I know how close yes. they were. So they were real close, and so they talking. And I'm like, bro, man, we ain't you know we ain't chit chatting with these <laughs> with these dudes. And Smoot, I guess at that time, yes, I don't remember what he, he could have said. Peanut butter and jelly. It really didn't matter. And. I took offense to it. And then I made it personal and I started going, the last time you was here, you wasn't even allowed to cover me. 
and the rest is history. And and that was actually why there was the personal beef was actually a, it wasn't even personal. It was a I, I'm pretty sure Fred wasn't even talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. But I drummed up this like oh okay cool. And so that was a whole that was a whole reason over it. And I guess we've been uh I guess we you would say we've been bickering ever since, but I wouldn't really necessarily call it bickering because I didn't really I don't yeah. think about it, but yeah. Well, well funny story. Um that before that night game, one of our backup quarterbacks came in the locker room. I think y'all you you were out pregame. Oh, so yeah. So okay. we were in Denver. I was out in pregame. And I, I had a routine. Yeah. And I would catch. Uh-huh. Brandon Marshall uh-huh. was catching passes. And the backup quarterback proceeds to tell me he shooed me. Yeah. Hey, man. We catching passes, man. Move. Go on. Now, if we were in Denver, I could respect that. <laughs> <laughs> right? We were Let's in Carolina at night. We were in Carolina. He tells me to move. And then B hey, man, uh, the quarterback says move. You talking about hot as fish grease? Yeah. So I think that, so go ahead. that added some fuel to that fire that night, right? That's why Dre Black got the business. That's why. It, I, so what happened in so, y'all locker room? So Yeah, so he, he comes in the locker room. Man, champ, you better go get your boy out there. You better go get your boy. I'm like, what's going on? Man, your boy Steve out there talking all this shit and yada, yada, yada. I'm like, man, don't mess with this dude. Like, <laughs> why y'all going to get him started? And and I swear from the first snap, I was like, oh, it's about to be a long night. I mean, because <laughs> I knew they, they already got to you, got you mad, got you talking. I'm like, man, it's about to be a long night. And I couldn't do nothing about it. I'm just like, man, don't, don't, don't mess with him. If you get him talking, he's gonna come at you. <laughs> the backup quarterback tells me, go on. We we work in here. I mean, to be honest, he wasn't the backup. He was probably third string of practice squad. You know, backup uh, quarterbacks travel, regardless of practice squad or not. They travel, right? So I don't even think I he didn't was know the, the young, I didn't know the young man. <laughs> I, I I could not recall who he was. You know, it's funny. Okay. Good good dude, you love him to death, but boy, he he made a mistake that night. <laughs> right. I would say he was pudgy for a quarterback. That's all. He I was. He definitely is still here. <laughs> he, he, he had a retirement body. <laughs> you know what? He had a cannon, but boy, he I think he went to UAB. But he man, yeah. pudgy quarterback. Yeah. From Atlanta, talks a lot, but good dude, man. Good dude. You would love him, but not that night. I bet I would have. (laughs) (laughs) Good do it. Good do it. Let's get down to it. Good do it. Hey, Gerard, where did you get that t-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh, yes. I got it from CutToItPodcast.com where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But yeah, you can go on, buy you a t-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there... Keep going, because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. 
Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So what are you up to these days? Oh, man, you know, when I retired, man, I, I'm not going to lie. You know, I think when you play and you play a long time, you think, okay, I'm going to retire and I'm going to just chill. But then you yeah, realize, I that too. Yeah, you realize, like, I can't just sit around. You know, I got to be productive. You try, though. Yeah, I, <laughs> you tried to sit around. Yeah, me too. I tried to the fullest. You know, I tried, you know, doing a little broadcast and didn't like it. How'd you like that? I hated it. I hated it because, you know, you think when you start out, everything is a little scripted, right? And I just didn't like, I didn't like the setting of, you know, going to LA, putting on a suit, being in front of the camera, then it's kind of scripted. I couldn't really be myself. So it was just, yeah, it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. It it was a grind. And I, I didn't like that grind. I didn't like that. You know, I love talking about football, but not in that way. So I tried yeah, it's, that. It's I'm glad I tried it though, right? So, you know, I you know I tried to do other little things, but what I realized, man, is out here in this real world, like people don't have accountability standards. There's just everybody's out here for themselves. So if you really want to get something done, you almost got to do it yourself. So, yeah. so I you know I tried a few things, invest in this. Some real estate deals, and you know, I people just don't care. Like everybody's out for themselves. So mm. now I'm just, you know, I, I do a few things here and there, but I partner with bigger companies who actually, mm. you know, got investors to worry about, and people bigger than me, mm. you know, that are investing in these companies or spending time with these companies. So now I know the credibility comes in the door. Right. Mm-hmm. With some of these companies. So, you know, for example, I partnered with this company, Peach State Health Plan. And, you know, they, they provide Medicare, Medicaid in the state of Georgia. But their parent company is a, you know, a global company, Fortune 500 company ran by this guy that went to Georgia. So when I moved back to Atlanta, I realized the strength in my network just being a former mm-hmm. bulldog, like wow, like there's people everywhere, all the walk-ons and people I went to school with, they're all owning businesses now. So it's nothing for me to walk in a lot of different doors and just, and just be part of their marketing plan or their messaging to some degree. Or if I'm doing an event, they come sponsor. So those are the type of partnerships I focus on now. And I leverage those to get me into deals that I otherwise wouldn't be involved with. And that, that's kind of what I focus on now. It's no heavy lifting. I mean, my sister, she does. <laughs> it, my sister does a lot of stuff for me. You know, I, you know, because I could trust her. You know, after going yeah. through different paths and different people, I'm like, man, I gotta just stick with my family and and work like that. And that's that's what I focus on now. So I'm I'm fielding shit all the time, but I deflect ninety percent of it because yeah. you got anytime I gotta depend on somebody else, it's gonna take you a lot to earn my respect and give you the benefit of the doubt. I, I can't, 
I, I don't go in with blinders on no more. You think people just want to work and do things the right way. That ain't the case. <laughs> that ain't mm, the case. Yeah. People will shit on you in a heartbeat and keep it moving like it never happened. And that's happened a few times. And good for me, I can overcome it. How has it been for you in fathering? You know, now that you you're you're home more, you're able to be locked in. You don't have, you know, you don't have a you don't have tape to watch. You don't have uh, treatment to go to, or 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 do you don't have these nagging things that um, being a professional athlete, um, you know, you, you have to do. You know, my twelve year old. He's so much like me, right? So he's like my oldest son, he's 21 now. You know, I was gone most of the time. Me and his mom, you know, obviously didn't last. Well, I won't say obviously, but we didn't last. So there was a lot of absence there. And to see how he came up compared to now, I'm full time with my 12 year old. So I see all the little things that he goes through every day school, you know, sports. He's a little athlete. And to be able to sit there and kind of have him focus on the right things. And I think that's what, mm. what I wasn't able to do with my older son is have him focus on the right things and like pay attention to the right things. For example, like my 12 year old has had some bad coaches and I'm like, I've had way more bad coaches than you have. Trust me. When you learn how to overcome bad coaching, you're on your way because you're going to have an abundance of like there's coaches out there coaching. They just got a job because they know somebody. So you're going to come across that. You just got to be able to identify it and move past it. Right. Don't count on anybody to get you ready. You know, whether that's in school practice, you better be a self-motivated individual. So find out what motivates you and, and let that be your spark. So it's just, just overcoming the negativity around you. Do you believe that our kids have more negativity around them than us? Well, no. Or is it a, or is it a, I, is it because of social me- media more accessible? I think percentage-wise they don't. When I think about how I grew up, the, the negativity was around me all the time. All the yeah, time. It was. And then you and then you at the games. Yeah. And it's there. You at the games is at the snack bar. It's is is deals being done underneath the bleachers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, when you drive home, or if you take the bus home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You or when you have to walk home, and me and my wife have this conversation. I say that, you know, she's like, "Man, it's just so much more now than our kid." I don't think it's more. I think it's. I think it's easily accessible in our face more. Yeah. But it, it's always like we know kids are. You know, we call it sex trafficking now. Mm-hmm. Right. But kids was on milk boxes. And in the post office yeah. all the time. Yeah. See, I think right, miss I think it. the miss content it. is more prevalent now. Like you see things mm. more. There's more videos. There's more there's more access to what's really going on in the world, but you also have good things at your fingertips as well. Right. Mm-hmm. There's more good information out there. But to, to be able to decipher between the two is probably a little more it's challenging, tough. right? I okay. think for, yeah. for me growing up, we it was negativity everywhere. You see some positive things here and there, but it was in our face. It wasn't like I could yeah. go get on the internet and see what my counterparts are doing in LA. I yeah. never knew what was going yeah. on on the West Coast. Yeah. It was all like right here in this little box. And, you know, if you don't know things are existing in this world, then 
you don't have any aspirations to do them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it was real. Like there's more examples for kids now of positive things going on than when I grew up, because all I had was who, who I saw, who I was around. Yeah. The uncles, the, you know, the, the older cousins and the neighbors, mm -hmm. all those people that fell into those traps. There was more of that than somebody go off to college and get, be a doctor, a great job, yeah. be a professional. Yeah. That just didn't happen, bro. <laughs> I can name on one hand how many people did that when I was growing up. If you don't mind me asking, knowing what you, you said about your oldest and, you know, the, the situation with playing football, right? Being in a height, being at the, the point of your career, moving to Denver, how are you able to stay engaged now that you're done and he's an adult to mend that relationship? And I'm assuming that relationship because I'm just speaking. I, I'm assuming because I got a 24 year old yeah. and I know there were things that I missed out on consciously and subconsciously that I didn't know I was missing out on because I was too busy trying to find my own way how to be a professional, yeah. trying to figure out how, how to make, how to get this second and this third and this fourth contract. Yeah. And then also being a father at the same time and trying to be a husband at the same time. I was going to miss something. Yeah. And, and I missed several things. Yeah. You miss a lot. And I think you can't make that time up. Like you really can't. And because no. those are some crucial years because you know, at, you know, as you're maturing as a teenager, man, you absorb so much shit. I mean, negative, positive, you just man, everything. Yeah. And I can't go back and get that. I think now it has to be a mutual thing. And that's that's been the struggle is because all he remembers is I wasn't there enough. Right. So there's a little animosity. There's some. But then yeah. it also takes. Rightfully it, so, though. It, also, it often takes more than just me and him trying to do it. It takes our whole family trying to help, you know, yeah. his mom. So if I don't have that support, then it's really an uphill battle. So that's kind of where we are now, trying to figure out what that looks like. My thing is, look, I'm here. You call me, you want you want to sit down, talk. I'm here. That's, that's my thing now is I want to let you know that I'm here mm. all the time. Like, there is no point in my, in my day that I'm not going to make time for you. Like, I think if I can make that message very clear, then that's the road to recovering what we have left together. And, you know, I think he's at a point now, he's trying to figure out who he is, right? He's trying to figure out who he is. You know, he's he, he went to college on a football scholarship. Now he's in limbo because he wanted to transfer, which is a whole nother conversation. You know, oh, so... Oh, Oh. I've been through that already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Oh, it's so it's 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 me trying to give those advice, the, the advice that he needs, but also understanding that I'm still just dad, you know, and we all have that struggle with getting our kids to listen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think every parent, their their kids are probably going to listen to somebody else more than they listen to the parent, you know? I, absolutely. I don't know anything. Yeah, you don't know shit. That's all you've done. <laughs> you, you know nothing. And I'm like, man, anybody trying to walk down this path of being a professional athlete in any sport, like you can't have a better example than me. Like <laughs> you can't have a better support staff than me. So that's 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 kind of where we are. And, you know, I don't I'm not the type to look back. I'm always trying to figure out how we go forward, how we make things better. So, you know, even with everybody in my family, brothers, sister, mom, dad, everybody, 
there's a, there's been some disconnect throughout the years, but you know, that's how we move forward. I'm a good natured, good hearted person. And I think they all know that. So that's always going to precede me. So it always gives me a chance to mend those relationships. All right. So this is the last one. How's, how's your, how's your skin coming along? Last time we oh saw my each God. other, what, what, it was the beginning of COVID and we were in uh, Beaver Creek, I think. Yeah. Beaver Creek. Yeah. Like two of the most non skiers you would believe. He's like, Steve, what are you doing? We both look at each other. Skiing. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere in Beaver Creek. I mean, yeah. yeah. But I, I tell you what, I've skied once since then. So I'm about the same. Oh. <laughs> I ski every year, bro. <laughs> but I remember you telling me at the time that, you know, your Utah days got you hip yeah. to that, right? So I never man. had it. Man, I did, that was the first time I put a ski on my foot. And but you lived in Denver. It didn't matter. The thing was, I was playing football and I had never you done had it. An off-season? Why would I risk going out here on this? Man, it was, I, I was just, all the time when I was playing. I never had anybody come to me and say, hey, you should do this. No, I was just always scared to do anything outside of training, you know, because I just the rich man. I used to just ski, ski. Yeah, you, you were man, you were I, I, you were bigger man than me because I couldn't do it. To this day, I still have a fear of falling. So, you know. I mean, you're going to fall. Yeah, you're going to fall. That's, that's I realize the snow's a little softer than the ground, so. A, a lot softer. <laughs> it's, a it's, it's, it's the trees that'll get you. <laughs> hey, but I get a kick out of watching my, well, he was nine or eight or nine at the time. Man, my son, he he got on those skis, fell a few times, and he was down to blacks. I mean, it was it was it was good Actually, to see. I'm like, man. I won't do, I won't do blacks because uh, uh, my knees feel so good. Until I get on the black and then my knees start hurting. Yeah. So I stay off. Yeah, I, 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 I'm i scared of the greens. So, you know, that's where I'm at right now. So, no so growth Steve there, Smith buddy. Was st- <laughs> Steve Smith was scared of champ and champ is scared of the greens right. on the slopes, huh? <laughs> Damn right. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, appreciate you, bro. Yeah, always, bro. You know I'm here. Anything appreciate you ever need, yeah. you just call me, bro. You are a unique person. You are well worth it. You are competent. And most of all, you're lovable. I'm Steve Smith Sr. I'm Jerome Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr. That is me. Is a production of Cut To It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut To It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media team Wesley Robinson and John Show. From Balto Creative Media, Cut To It is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter, with production assistance by Alex Lebrecht, production coordinator Taylor Robinson. Theme music by Alex Johnson. Lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. 
Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.